for today's kernel. I want to remind you all to stick around until the end of the episode today. I'll be announcing the winner of last week's book giveaway. Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite, I was trying to figure out how to phrase this, investment experts, investing thought leaders. I don't know. Aaron Lowry, author of Broken Lineal Takes on Investing is here joining me again. Aaron, what what title, what descriptor would you like? Okay, I've been playing around with this. Because I wouldn't say that I'm an investing expert, quote unquote, just because like, I don't have this storied career on Wall Street. (laughs) And I'm just like your average investor personally. But financial translator is what I've been using. Because I feel like it really does summarize what I do. Like I go figure out how to get complicated things to make a little bit more sense. I like that. I like that. Okay. Can, you need to get that like on like a, a plaque or something. Just like hang that behind you in all your interviews. Well, I put it on my Instagram bio now. So obviously it's super <laughs> official. Nailed it. Oh, perfect. All right. That is now what, what you're going to be referred to as. You're also the author of one of my my favorite books. I already referred to it. But if, if anyone asks me about investing and they're like, what's something I can pick up to help me kind of understand what this is all about? Broke Millennial Takes on Investing is probably one of the most plain language easy to understand breakdowns of this is what investing is all about. That's how you get into it. So that's why I was happy to have you on because you clearly know how to write about this and talk about this. Well, thank you. You were just on. I played an episode, episode 201. It was our conversation about investing versus paying down debt. So if you didn't catch that, go back and listen to that episode. Today, we're going to take a step forward from that conversation, add on to it, because you're on a mission to change the way that we talk about retirement. You want to go from saying we are saving for retirement to we are investing for retirement. And you say there's there's a huge difference between the two ways we think about this. And so, first of all, why is this important to you? Like, why do you even care about changing this language? Well, one, because saving for retirement is really a misnomer. It is not the correct language. And therefore, I think it does cause a lot of confusion for people. Because when we think of saving, we think of putting money into a savings account, generally at a bank. In some cases, maybe like cash under your mattress. Please don't do that. Please go put that in a (laughs) bank account. But, you know, saving is tucking money away for the future. When you're thinking about retirement, really what you want to be doing is investing. And the reason I think it's so important to change the language is because language matters. And if you think that you're quote unquote saving for retirement, then probably what you're going to do is you're just going to dutifully put a percentage of your paycheck every month into your 401k or IRA or whatever you're using as your retirement vehicle and not think about it. The problem is the 401k or the IRA and I've been playing around with this analogy, so bear with me, (laughs) is a house. It's just the house. When you buy a house, you need to put furniture in that house. Mm. And the investments are the pieces of furniture. Your 401k is not the investment. The IRA is not the investment. You have to pick your investments when you start putting money away for retirement. And that's why I say we need to talk about investing for retirement so people start to connect. Like when I'm putting money into this 401k, IRA, this house, it's not just putting it in there. There's one extra step. I need to be more proactive. I need to go out and I need to buy my furniture. I need to pick my investments. And that can feel really overwhelming. And we can get into some of the options we can take to make that a little bit easier. But it's just really important that people understand there's a big difference because investing compared to saving makes a huge difference in the outcome of your money. And when I was writing Broke Millennial Takes on Investing, 
more than once, I heard the horror story of people who work at brokerages, companies that really run these 401ks, these IRAs. People would call in and say, oh, I'm just calling to take a look at my account. Typically, people who are a little older who maybe don't log in online would call up, ask about their 401k, and they would be pushing, you know, retirement age, maybe 60, 65, and they would have about $200,000, $250,000. Now, that's a nice chunk of change, but that's not, I'm going to retire and live off of this for the rest of my days kind of money. And so often, the reason they had a modest sum by comparison to the million plus that should have been in there is because they never actually picked investments. It truly was just sitting in cash the entire time. And so that they never have compound interest. Absolutely is insane. And it happens a lot to people. The more I talk about this, almost every single time I put this on Instagram or Twitter, I will get a DM and I will get a comment about like, I just checked and mine's been sitting in cash for a couple of years. Or I never picked investments. And I didn't even know. And wow. there's a whole so, education campaign that needs to happen. So Aaron, just in case some people missed it. So you're saying that people are contributing into their plans, into their retirement plans, and but they haven't actually selected a place for that money to go. They haven't because I love your I love your financial translation there of they they bought they got the house, but they didn't actually they, they set the money at like the doorstep. They didn't actually use it to buy any furniture to put right. inside the house. Absolutely. So they have the house, they're putting money, they think they're putting money into that house, but they never actually picked the furniture out. So what happens is if you're doing that, it's likely just sitting in what's probably called like a settlement fund, or maybe even like a money market fund, depending on how your account is set up. So it's truly just sitting there in cash. Nothing nefarious is happening to it, but it's just sitting there getting saved. Truly, mm. it's you're saving for retirement in this scenario. And if that's what you want to do, if you are really scared about investing, yeah, you can save for retirement, but you are going to have to save so much more money to hit the same goal compared to investing. And I'm just going to use a small example to do a comparison of saving versus investing. So bear with me. Some numbers are coming at you. But <laughs> starting today, you're going to invest $20 per month. This is not like you're going to have enough money for retirement, but this is just <laughs> an example. So you're going to start investing $20 per month, and you're going to do that consistently for 40 years. Now, if you are investing that money, it's actually an investment at the end of those 40 years, assuming an average 7% return in the market, you would have $48,211.92 using compound interest calculator from the SEC, my personal favorite. Now, if you just saved that money, $20 per month going into a plain old savings account, you would have approximately $9,600 at the end of that 40 years. So compound interest netted you nearly 39,000 extra dollars on $20 a month for 40 years. Wow. That's huge. And that's on such a modest sum of money every month. So imagine if you're putting even more in and you're giving it that amount of time, how much more you can have in your account. So it is critical that our money is actually invested, actually doing some of the work for us. So if people are like, okay, I'm not even sure what's going on in my account right now. What should they be looking for? Like if they were to go in, log into their account, what would what would be their their tip, their key that they would look for to say, hey, this is not actually invested. So if it says like money market or cash or settlement fund, it's not invested. The thing that I always recommend, because a lot of times the freak out is like, hey, I want to pick my investments, but I know nothing about investing. Mm, and yeah. I empathize. I remember the first time I had access to a 401k and I logged in and I'm like, I'm a baller. I'm doing all this adulting. <laughs> Look at me go. And I, you know, fill out all my information. I'm like, I'm going to contribute 4%. So I get my full employer match. So that's going to be 8% then. 
And then I got to the screen that said, now choose your investments. And I was like, what does any of this mean? <laughs> Small cap, large cap. I remember the words Dodge and Cox was the name of one of the funds. Like I didn't know what anything <laughs> meant. And I just clicked out and didn't pick anything, which happens to a lot of people thinking like, yeah. oh, I'll just come back to this later. So if you never actually finish picking anything out, it's just going to keep sitting in cash until you do pick something out and you do move that cash into an investment. Now, one of the options, if you're like me and the first time you see it, you're like, I don't know what's happening. You can look at something that's called a target date fund. Sometimes it's called an all-in-one fund or a life cycle fund. There's a couple different names. But the way that you can find these is typically at the end of the name of the fund. Oftentimes, they are called target date. And then at the end, it'll have a year, often in increments of five. So it'd be like 2030, 2035, 2040. And what you want to do is you want to tie that to approximately the year you would retire. So let's say that you think you'll retire in 2065. Then you would pick target date fund 2065. What the perk of the target date fund is, is that takes a lot of the stress off of you to pick investments. Your money is now invested. It's going to start out more aggressive in the beginning. Then as you age, it's going to go a little bit more moderate. And then close to retirement, it's going to get a little bit more conservative. So over the time, it's going to rebalance. So you're not putting as much risk on your money as you start to prepare for retirement. That's the pro. Of course, there's some cons. Of course. And I always like to bring them up. If you think about it in terms of the house analogy, picking a target date fund is like moving into a pre-furnished house. Listen, there is functional furniture there. You can use it. Is it exactly your taste? Probably not. <laughs> is it totally curated to what you like? Probably not. So it's functional. It works. It's going to pretty much get you to where you want to go, but it's not perfect. And a target date fund is a one-size-fits-all solution to something that should be highly curated and specific to you, your risk tolerance, your goals, what you want in the future, all of those things. So what you can do in the beginning, once you pick target date fund, you're not committed to that for life. If you pick it in the beginning and let's say two years, five years, 10 years down the road, you either meet with a professional or you get more interested in investing and you feel like, no, I want this to be curated specifically to me. You can go ahead and do that. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. The other bummer about target date funds, one, it's not totally curated to you and it is your retirement portfolio, but two, it is going to be a little bit more expensive than building your own because it's what we call actively managed. A real person goes in there and picks out what is in the fund, which is at a little higher price point. And the bummer about that is every dollar that you pay in fees is $1 less that's compounding for future growth. Now, if you compare that to building your own portfolio, you could do that for a little bit cheaper. The thing is, it's not worth stressing about the difference in fees if the target day fund is what's going to get your cash actually invested. That is still the better play in the long run. And then in the future, you can always go in and change it and rebalance it to something that's a little bit cheaper that is more custom tailored to you. Aaron, you're full of great advice and tips like these. Like, this is what you do. This is this is why I've always been a big fan of your work and what you do is because you do a great job of breaking this stuff down and making it clear for everyone to understand. So if people want to learn more about what you're doing and to connect with you and see more of the, the great content you're putting out there, where should they go? So the best place would be Instagram, which is at Broke Millennial Blog. And every Wednesday, I do an Ask Me Anything. So if you have big burning questions, you can come ask. And I save all of them into the highlights. So you can always go back and look at prior questions. You can also find me on Twitter at Broke Millennial and at BrokeMillennial.com. 
And if you're interested in my books, they are sold really wherever books are sold, as well as don't forget to check out your local library. All right, perfect. Thanks so much, Erin. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing some great information. Thanks for having me. It is time for what I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for. I'm going to be announcing the winner of the special book giveaway package I announced last episode. If you don't remember what it is that I'm giving away, it is a copy of Kate Flanders' newest book, Adventures in Opting Out, a popcorn finance sticker, and one of the only popcorn finance pins I've actually had made. So whoever gets this will end up uh, having one of only five pins that have ever actually been made. So let's not waste any more time here. Let's get to the winner. And the winner is Team Ocelot Budgets Everything on Instagram. That is your handle. Sorry, I didn't see your real name on your profile, so I can't actually announce you by name, but you know who you are. I will send you a DM to let you know you're the winner, and that way you can send me your address and I can get this prize pack out to you. So thank you to all of you who took the time to enter into this giveaway. Even if you didn't win, I recommend going and checking out Kate Flanders' latest book. I've really been enjoying it so far as my new morning read. So thanks again for entering and also for joining me here for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. And remember to register to vote. Your boy keep it popping like Mary Poppins.